0: amen you guys can take a seat and good evening region my name is jd rogers i have a new life in christ and i am recovering from a life filled with pride a secret lifestyle of bisexuality perfectionism and this week approval of man so excited to be here this is my first time actually to speak at Regent, it is such an honor. I'm usually hanging out here at Watermark on Tuesday nights. I serve as the creative director of our young adult ministry called The Porch, where we just gather in this room and do what you guys are doing, just looking for Jesus to set people free. And it's an honor to be a part of that tonight, because I know that Jesus is here and I know that he is in the business of setting people free every Monday night. And you know it and I know it. So that's my prayer for us as we open up his word and wrap up our influencer series together. If you've been tracking with us, you know that there has just been amazing topics about on the different things that influence us. We have Jesus, who obviously is the biggest influence on our life and the story that lays out what he's done for us. We have fear that influences our life. We have Satan who influences and comes for our life. And we have culture who tries to influence our life. And tonight, I have the privilege of wrapping up this series, and tonight's influencer is you. You are the influencer. And the reason why I say that is not to put some pressure on you or to make you feel some type of way about yourself, but because I believe that no matter your story, no matter your past, God wants to use you, specifically you your wiring, your makeup, the way that he knitted you together in your mother's womb, your gifts and your sphere of influence to influence the world for kingdom impact. He has that written for you if you would believe and trust in him. Every single one of us, that's what he wants for us, a life on mission, a life full of influence. And he wanted that since the Bible times. And so tonight we're gonna look at a story of two people known as Peter and John, who understood the influence that God wanted them to have on the world for his name and his glory. And so we're gonna be in Acts chapter four if you have your Bible, it'll be on the screens if you don't, but a little bit of context before we read this story. Jesus had come, he had walked the earth, fully God and fully man. He had performed many miracles, signs and wonders. The people all marveled, but then they got angry because he was perfect. The, The Pharisees could find no fault in him. They grew jealous, they hung him on a cross and he paid for all of our sins. But then he rose again three days later, which we'll talk about more. And then he ascended to heaven, seated at the right hand of God until he comes back to claim his bride, the church. And In the meantime, he has given you and I, the Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus, a mission to influence the world for his name and his glory. And so he looks at the disciples and he goes, says, in uh, Matthew chapter 28, go therefore into all nations, baptizing them, in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit and teach them all these things I've given to you. And surely I will be with you always to the end of the age. And he gave that to Peter and John. And so they're going forth and they're sharing the gospel and they're talking about the resurrected savior. They're even healing people through the power of the Holy Spirit. And right before this story in Acts chapter four, we see that they heal a lame beggar, a guy that had not been able to walk for over 40 years. He was a known guy in the town. Everyone knew that's the guy that sits at the gate and can't walk. And so he comes over and he's like asking for money and Peter and John look at him they're like, we don't have gold and silver, but we have the power of the Holy Spirit, rise up and walk in Jesus name. He's going around, he's hill clicking, he's dancing, he's praising God and everyone marvels. And Peter and John begin to proclaim the gospel of the resurrected Jesus. So the word began to travel and the rulers hate this is happening because they want everyone to believe that Jesus is dead. So they get angry and we find ourselves in this story now in Acts chapter four, let's read it together. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest and Cephas and John and Alexander and all of her on the high priestly family. And when they had set in them the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Meaning under whose authority did you heal this lame beggar? They were influenced and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. God, I come to you right now and as we dive into your word, into the scriptures, I pray that you would speak with unction and authority and clarity, but also with kindness and gentleness and humility. I pray that if there are deaf ears tonight, would you open them, if there are blind eyes, would you remove the skills, God, tonight, would all of us have a better understanding of your deep and vast love for us? A love that is too great to describe. God, thank you that while we were still sinners, you sent your son to die for us. And because of that, you wanna use our lives, our lives, our messy, broken lives for kingdom impact to influence the world, all for your name and your glory. May it start here tonight. And it's in your powerful name we pray, amen. So when they asked me to talk about this series, Influencers, of course, like I had no choice but to think about all the things and people that have influenced me. Like Chick-fil-A sauce has influenced me, like in a lot of ways, like a lot of calories, a lot of different things. But when I thought about the person who has influenced me the most, I had no choice. I mean, it's not even a competition. The person who has influenced me the most is my father, Chris Rogers. My dad is an amazing dad. I get emotional just talking about him. And I love the opportunity to get to share about a wonderful dad that he is. And I wanna pause just for a second, acknowledge that I know that for a lot of us here tonight, that's not your story. I know that a lot of you, You've been negatively influenced, and the things that have sent you down a trajectory of pain and searching is because of the lack of presence or the hurt from your father, and I'm sorry. And my dad actually had that story. My, you'll hear more, of it. my dad's dad left him when he was 10, he was a drunk, and left him, his mom, and alone with three boys in a poor part of the neighborhood, but I think because of that, he was set on being a good dad and a good dad he was. Amazing father. And because of his influence on my life, every chance I get, when I get to teach God's word, when something comes up in conversation, when I get an opportunity to do something, I wanna give him the credit. I wanna share the stories he shared with me. I wanna teach the lessons that he taught me because he, influence my life and I start there because we all have the things positive or negative that once we encounter encountered them it changed everything it had major impact on our life and the reason why I start there is because as christians if you call yourself a follower of Jesus you are communicating that hey i was once walking this way chasing the world, chasing the things of the enemy, chasing my own self-gratification, and then boom, I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and everything about me changed. And I began walking this way and I have never been the same. The gospel has changed my life and I have no choice but to share it. Because of the influence of Jesus on my life, I have no choice. Just like I can't stop talking about my dad, we as Christians, as sons and daughters of the perfect Heavenly Father, because my Father, though amazing, still had so many flaws. We have a perfect Father. And if He's truly impacted and influenced our life, then we have no choice but to share of that influence and in return, influence others. That's why tonight I start by saying tonight's influencer is you. We as Christians have been given a mission and a call in our life to go and proclaim of the good news that has encountered our life. It's like when you watch that movie that just like, I mean, it had you crying or it had you laughing or it just had you in awe or on the edge of your seat. And after you watch it, you tell everyone, you shared the trailer on Facebook, you moms out there, you're sharing it, you're telling everyone about how great it was. You want the whole world to watch this movie because it impacted your life. That's the same when you've truly been impacted by Jesus. But my fear is is we post about articles, movies, workout programs, we let addictions, we let sins of all types influence our life, and we're more willing to share about these things than about the greatest influence on the entire world, that is Jesus so tonight, I wanna look at this story and learn from two men who had been greatly influenced by Jesus and they used that to influence others in his name. And so when you look at Peter, you see here that there was something about him that changed like you and I. And it wasn't anything to do with Peter because I wanna make sure that I make a very clear line that when I say you are the influencer, I think the first thing that can happen is to think that there is something up to you. It's necessary for you to be involved, for God to be glorified. The reality is, is when I say that you are the influencer, here's what I'm not saying. I am not saying that God needs you to change the world. That without you, God's sitting up there and it's like, man, I really hope they share their faith or I really hope they Make that choice, and God's up there just nervous that it's, it's dependent on you to do something for him to move and work in mighty ways. That's not true. God does not need you, although it should leave you in awe that he wants you to be a part of his mission. What I also don't mean is, when I say you're an influencer, I don't mean that you are in control of your influence or success, that you don't get to formulate your idea of what influence looks like. And then when I say that you are the influencer, I don't mean that life is about you. Because I think according to the world's definition, it's really easy to think that, oh yeah, like I want influence, I want more eyes on me, I want more people to know my name, that would be awesome. And we think that influence is left up to looks or notoriety, success, how much money you make, how good you look in your groups tonight, the things that you say, how much you know, how other people perceive you, your accolades, and all those things, the reason why you can't let those things define your influence because they only lead to destruction. Like the world's definition of influence only leads to destruction. And so you have to shift your thinking and understand that when I say that you, Christian, are the influencer, I'm not talking about in the realm of worldly influence, but godly influence influence. So I'm going to use that language for the rest of this message that when I say that you are the influencer, what I mean is that God wants to use you to influence the world for him. Therefore, we are striving after godly influence. And so I just kind of wrote a sentence that we're going to break down tonight in three parts. And here's what godly influence depends on. Godly influence depends on one thing, an understanding of what Jesus has done for you, that rids you of the need for self-promotion and changes your life for the glory of God. One more time. Godly influence depends on one thing. It's an understanding of what Jesus has done for you that rids you of the need for self-promotion and changes your life for the glory of God, for the promotion of God. An understanding of what Jesus has done for you. What do I mean by that? It's like, Say right now, I just pulled out this like bottle and I was like, inside this bottle is the cure for cancer. Like stop the search, stop the research. The thing that hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people have been researching for, I found it. This could save millions of lives. And imagine if I knew I had that cure and I kept it in my back pocket or I kept it tucked away and I never told anyone about it. That would be insane, right? If you have Jesus, if you have the gospel, you have found something better than the cure for cancer. You have found something more extravagant, more amazing, something that should not be tucked away, something that should not be left not talked about in the name of embarrassment or I don't wanna make this awkward. It could save the world. It's the only thing that can actually save the world. Jesus. The gospel. And I think that so many of us keep this thing that's radically changed us and we don't see it as an opportunity to influence others and that God wants to use because we don't actually understand the weight of what it means for our lives. We don't actually understand the weight of what Jesus has done for us. When I read this story, there must have been something that Peter and John to be thrown into prison understood that Jesus had done for them. What is that? It's the good news. It's the best news. It's the news that I will never get tired of proclaiming ever though we hear it time and time again, I will never stop proclaiming it. It never gets old to me. I wanna repeat it to myself every moment of every day. It's the only thing that saves me. It's that God looked at the world and it's sin and knew that it had a problem. And since the beginning in Genesis three, he had a solution in mind, his son, his perfect son, Jesus, because he knew he looked ahead and he saw that you and I, every single sin, Past, present, and future represented in this room and every single other room out there. Every single sin he saw. And he knew that that would only cause separation and division between his holiness and our sinfulness. So he made a plan that he would send his son as the perfect sacrifice once and for all. And so Jesus left perfection, left heaven and remained perfect. And he stepped into our mess, but remained righteous. And he came to earth, he died on the cross. They took him then, they beat him, they flogged him. They stabbed him in the side. They pierced nails through his hands and through his feet. And he died on that cross for you and I. Romans 5, 8 says that God demonstrated his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. And he died on that cross. They buried him in a tomb. Three days later, he rose again. The most powerful act in history. And because he came in new life, you and I no longer have to live in death to our sin, but can have a new life in Christ. And we can be saved. We can be set free. And there is a weight that comes with that. There's a miracle that is birthed out of that story that is available to every single one of us. It is better than the cure for cancer. It's the cure to our sin, the disease that plagues every single human, the disease that tells us that life is found on the other end of that needle, the disease that tells us that life is found on the other end of that screen. There is weight that comes in the story of Jesus and what he's done for us. Because when I read this story And I see what Peter and John had done. It says, as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day for it was already evening. You think, why would anyone willingly do something that was gonna put them in jail, have them shackled up, keep them without food and water? Probably got beat a few times. Like, why would anyone do that? It's because they understood the weight of what Jesus had done for them. They said, I will stand up and proclaim the good news of Jesus. I will let godly influence impact my life to influence others, even if it means that influence takes me behind bars in prison and being flogged and being persecuted because they understood the weight of the gospel. Some of you tonight, you've been resisting the gospel. There's something that happened to you that you don't truly believe that God is for you and that he's good. And I'm here to tell you tonight that he is. He's so good that he sent his one and only perfect spotless son to die for you. And it was real and it happened. These guys gave their life, were beaten because they saw it happen. This isn't just some made up story. This is history that happened and it had weight and significance and influence. It set the calendar. It changed everything. It has influence on our lives. And if you wanna have godly influence and see yourself as a life that God wants to use, a life that matters, you have to see yourself the way that God sees you. And it's through the blood of his son that's forgiven you for everything you've done. And when you start to see yourself as new because Jesus rose again, You start to see yourself as available as a tool that God could use in his hands for his kingdom. But some of you think it's up to you and your own influence. That's why you can't do anything. That's why you have spiritual paralysis and you can't break free and you can't do anything because you're like, I can't, I can't, I can't. You can't, but God can. And Jesus has. So you can. You can. If you want to have godly influence, you have to sit in the weight of what Jesus has done for you. And for some of you, you need to accept that for the first time tonight. Quit resisting. Quit running from it. It changed everything about my life. I hid for so long, and now I'm free. I'm in line with Peter and John because I'm like, this changed my life. Jesus is is alive. I can be alive, and I can be free. Some of you, you believed this at one time, but you've forgotten or it's become numb to you or cold to you. And I would ask you, invite you, remind yourself right now of the gospel that it's specific to you. That yeah, you might still be addicted to something and you might come here tonight and go, if you knew what I just did last night or today. you No, it's, it's real to you right now. If you, if you want God to use your life to influence the world, you gotta see the weight of what he's done for you through his son, Jesus. And once you've done that, life's no longer about your promotion. Life's no longer about you. Life's no longer about feeding your flesh, it's about Jesus, and that rids you of the need for self-promotion. Godly influence depends on an understanding of what Jesus has done for you that rids you of the need of self-promotion. You know, Peter here in this story, yeah, he's proclaiming of Jesus, and he's like, do what you have to. I love Jesus, he's changed everything, but that wasn't always Peter's story. We see just three pages, if you turn three pages before that, into the book of John. Peter, the man that walked with Jesus, like next to him, like hugged him, watched him with his own eyes perform miracles. Peter, who Jesus looked at and was like, I love you. Peter, who slept next to Jesus. Peter wasn't always proclaiming of his goodness. At one point, he was denying him to his face as he was getting beaten for him. That's the Peter we're reading about. Look at this. In John chapter 18, it says, Peter's sitting there around a fire and they're carrying Jesus. He's carrying his cross and they're beating him and they're taking him towards Golgotha to be crucified on this mountaintop. As Peter's sitting there watching, but in a cowardly way, hiding, not worrying about his own self-promotion, not wanting to use his life and the impact that Jesus had on his life for godly influence, he's sitting there hiding, afraid, It says this, now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, you also are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, did I not see you in the garden with him? It's like, yeah, you know, you cut off my ear. And Peter again denied it. And at once the rooster crowed. If godly influence depends on a life that is rid of the need for self-promotion, in this moment, Peter was clearly not living a life marked by godly influence. He was more worried about self-protection and self-promotion and self-preservation than godly influence. He saw a moment of adversity and a moment of shaming and a moment of persecution, and he said, I'm out. I don't, I don't know that guy. I don't follow him anymore. And the same with us. People may not come to you and go, hey, are you that Christian? Aren't you a Christian? Let's stone this guy. They may not do that. But when that sin calls your name and tells you, hey, you, he's not good, this is better. That pornography addiction that you've been trapped in for 12 years, 12 years. You believe in that moment, I want want self, not God. I wanna protect myself, I wanna make myself feel good, I don't want God. Some of you, that thing that you still haven't told and you know that you're here because you wanna get it out, you wanna live in the light, but you're so afraid of what might happen. Self-protection over godly influence. And the enemy wants to trap you in that, he wants to keep you in that. But a person who is marked by godly influence. They have a life that is rid of self-promotion. They're going, Jesus, whatever it takes, I might lose my car, I might lose my job, I might lose my friends, I might lose that feeling I get when I use that drug or drink that alcohol. I might lose everything that brings me a sense of security and significance and satisfaction, but there is nothing, I'm I'm choosing to believe there's nothing more satisfying than knowing you. And I know that is scary. I know that's hard, but I'm telling you it's better. Living a life for godly influence has to be rid of self-promotion. And then godly influence depends on a life that is changed for the glory of God and the glory of God alone. Walking through it, godly influence depends on an understanding of what Jesus has done for you that rids you of the need for self-promotion and changes your life for the glory of God. Changes your life. If Peter, just three pages earlier, was denying Jesus, what has him, just three pages later, proclaiming him to the point of being in prison? What changed? Like, what about Peter's heart? What did Peter see? Let's read. Verse seven, and when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this healing? And if you jump down to verse 10, it says, Peter's response, let it be known to all of you by which we must be saved. Peter saw the resurrected Jesus. That's the change that happened. When Jesus died and came back to life, he went and visited Peter. And when he knew that Peter denied him three times, we have seen this in the gospels, there's this beautiful moment where Jesus knew, walks with Peter and says, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And he gets to allow Peter to reaffirm his love the same amount of times that he denied him. And he has this moment with Jesus where Jesus is like, I love you despite your denial of me. I love you. There's nothing you could do that is, it goes away from my love. That goes too far for my love to reach. I love you. And it's the same for us tonight. When we see that the resurrection of Jesus, what it communicates to you and I is that we're no longer defined by our sin, but by the love of Jesus for us, no matter what you've done, it changes everything. It changes everything. And you want to share that with the world. You want to use that story and how it's intersected your life to impact other people's stories. I heard today, it's so amazing. Region doesn't do a lot of promotion, doesn't have a lot of ads out there, doesn't have a lot of signage out there, doesn't have a lot of social media posts. You know how this room is packed with a thousand plus people every Monday night? People sharing. People willing to see their life marked by Jesus and go, I have to tell people what he's done for me. That's how people get here. Because people, you, see what Jesus has done. You're like, this has changed everything. I have to tell the world. And you've let God use you as an influence to those around you. You don't have to have major influence. You just have to have major faithfulness. That's what he's looking for. And he blesses that. He honors that, whether it's your family, your friends, your community group, the social media following you have, your roommates, your coworkers, just start. Just start simply and simply start going, God, how do you want me to use this fear of influence that you've given me to steward for your name and your glory? But you have to see what Jesus has done for you. You have to deny yourself and let your life be changed for his glory and his glory alone. I think a lot of us, like Peter, at one point in his life, a lot of us love the cross. Like we love talking about the cross. I love the cross, I'm thankful for the cross of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful that his blood has forgiven me, has purchased me, the Bible says, that I can be made new. But the cross is nothing. In 1 Corinthians 15, we see Paul make the argument that the cross is nothing without the empty tomb. The cross is nothing without the resurrected Jesus. That Jesus had to come back to life for us to be able to have new life in Christ. And Peter, when he saw the new resurrected Jesus, it changed everything. He was martyred because he saw the resurrected Jesus. And my fear is, is that we keep Jesus on the cross. We come here with our sin time and time again, and we're like, forgive me, Jesus, thank you for the cross, forgive me, forgive me. Not fully believing that there is power that follows the cross through the empty tomb, that you no longer have to walk according to that addiction. You no longer have to walk a slave, you can walk free, you can walk as saints and a son and a daughter. That's the power that the empty tomb gives you. It influences your life in such a way that now you can die to those things, walk new, it can change everything. And now you can change everyone because the spirit of God in you can speak through you to change them. And now they can go and proclaim it and it keeps going and going and going and going. That's how godly influence works. It's people who understand the weight of Jesus and his death, rid them of themselves, and change their lives for the glory of God. My dad had influence on me because he understood that. But that wasn't always his story. Like Peter, my dad actually, when his dad left, he was raped by a brother and sister at the same time for all of his childhood. Then we got old enough, he had to start working to help provide for his family. At the paint and body shop, they introduced him to alcohol, dipping, smoking, drugs, Playboy, told him to start hooking up with girls. He got in bar fights, committed adultery with my mom, got a girl knocked up in high school. You name it, he did it. And when I was seven, him and my mom separated, and he found himself so drunk one night on the fifth floor of the Harris Casino in Las Vegas, he stood up on the rail, And he said, No one loves me. I'm a drunk just like my dad. No one loves me. My own father didn't even want me. And he said, In that moment, Las Vegas went silent, and he heard God say, I love you. I love you. And he fell back on the balcony. he went back and he started researching and coming to places like this in our small east texas church he started asking questions and reading the bible and learning about the love of the father for him a love that he had never experienced and when he encountered the love of god that extended even to his darkest and deepest sins it changed everything and he broke the generational sins of alcoholism he broke the sins of abusing and mistreating women and pornography and so many different things. And that, him choosing to say, it ends here. I'm following Jesus with everything I have. That influenced me, his son, his firstborn son. And now I get to stand up here today, sharing of the power of what Jesus can do for your story, every single story here tonight. And God wants to use that story, just like he did with my dad to me, just like I'm doing to you. God wants to use that story. And you don't have to wait till you're at the end of region. You don't have to get to a certain standard. He wants you to do it now. He wants you to grab a hold of this influence that you can have through him and him alone now, but you have to trust him. August 5th is coming up. And August 5th is the hardest day of my year because it is the death anniversary of my dad. He died of cancer six years ago, August 5th. He was 46. And a couple of months before he died, I gave him my journaling Bible and I just asked him to just take notes as he was reading for me. And when he died, I would take back the Bible and I did. And I found this note the other day, December 27, 2014. It's a... Uh, an entry from him on his last mission trip where he was going to use his godly influence to reach people in Mexico. And this is what he said to me. It's 5.30 a.m. and I've just read the Great Commission. Getting ready to take what may be my last mission trip. This is my 13th year to go and I've had the honor to lead many to Christ. I will preach on Sunday the gospel, walk the streets Monday and Tuesday preaching the gospel. Over these last 14 to 15 years, I've learned that the gospel and only the gospel works. John David, always remember, preach the gospel to yourself daily. There is freedom in the gospel. I read that to you because in the face of death, You would think that he would question God's goodness. You would think that he would search for any last bit of gratification the world could give him, but instead, he said, the key to life is the freedom found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's where true influence and true life and true satisfaction is found. John David, preach it to yourself every single day, and I'm telling you, Christian, tonight, the same message my dad told me that influenced my life, I'm telling you, it will influence your life. Find freedom in the gospel. It's only in the gospel of Jesus Christ that you'll find the freedom you're looking for. And if you will find that freedom, if you'll believe it, God will use it to change everything about your influence for his name. And for those of you that think, not me, that's not my story, I leave you with this verse. At the end of the story, it says, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. The boldness of Peter and John, uneducated common men that had been with Jesus. That's all God needs is people willing to use their life and be bold to share their faith and to live on mission, to be bold to say no to their sin and their addiction and to say yes to him, to be bold to share that secret, to be bold to share their faith. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to have read your entire Bible. You don't have to memorize a bunch of verses. You don't have to go to seminary. Uneducated common men, that's us. God loves to take ordinary people and do an extraordinary work. That's what he's done, the whole Bible. He took Paul, a man that killed Christians and used him to write most of the New Testament. He took Peter who denied Jesus and on this rock, Peter, you will build my church. He took my dad, a drunk and an addict And he used him to change thousands of lives through his story of cancer and you. He wants to take you. And he wants to use you, not for worldly influence, not for self-promotion, but for godly influence. Let him, let's pray. God, I ask that right now we would believe that you are the only source of life, that your way is the only way, that there is no other mission worth living for than a mission for you. Thank you, God, that your love extends to every single story in this room tonight, that there is no one that is too far past the reach of your love and your forgiveness and your grace. May we sit in the weight of of your son Jesus' death for us that made that possible. May that weight and that realization and the acceptance of that rid us of the need for our own self-promotion and gratification. And may that pursuit of holiness and a life of freedom with you change our lives for your glory and your glory alone. And it's your name that we pray, amen. Thank y'all.